0: Well, again, thank you for being here this morning, and I know that you're not here because it's Groundhog Day. But you're here because it's Sunday, and that's a regular uh, part of your, uh, your walk with God, your rule of life, if you will, as we used to call it years and years ago. And today, we celebrate uh, a feast that occurs every year. But the problem with remembering to celebrate this feast is that it does not always fall on a Sunday. And for some of us who were brought up in, um, uh, one could say the, the, the river of Catholicism, whether Greek Orthodox, Roman, Episcopal, or whatever. If you were brought up that way, you remember that whenever there was a feast day, we went to church, regardless of the day of the week. Well, that's gone to the wayside. With the 1979 prayer book, The uh, Standing Committee on Liturgy and Music decided that we can move these feasts and so on and so forth, unless some of them are fixed, like February the 2nd for the presentation of our Lord in the temple and also Groundhog Day. (laughs) So today we celebrate that feast because today is 2-2-20, the second day of February. And this story happens only in the Gospel of Luke. It does not happen in any other Gospel at all. And it's a way for Luke to kind of wrap up his birth narrative. He's had a a great involvement. Remember, he has the Annunciation and he has Mary and Elizabeth meeting and the baby leaping in the womb and so on and so forth. And this, when that ends, that section ends with the birth of Jesus, then there's a little snippet in between. It's a little bridge And it says that on the eighth day, the child was circumcised, period, paragraph, and then we come to this story. And then this is a very long story. And it's based on the law, the law of Moses. In Leviticus, it says that after the birth of a child, the mother will need to be purified 40 days after the birth. And the child will be circumcised eight days after the birth. Okay, so now Luke told us, okay, he's been circumcised, now let's go to the purification. And he begins to talk about that. And then also there's another piece in Exodus. If you remember that after God talked to Charlton Heston about what he was going to do, and then Yule Brynner was the recipient of the firstborn child being smitten by the Spirit, Then there's a promise to Moses later on, and it says every firstborn child will be consecrated to me. Meaning by extension, I will not kill any more firstborn children. So now Joseph and Mary are to bring the child to the temple and present that child to God to be a part of that family. Then, Luke introduces to us two characters, Simeon and Anna. Now, Simeon is presented this way he's righteous, he's devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, a lot of people were doing that, but Luke says something to us that's special, and the Holy Spirit was with him. Now, that's a different ingredient. Now, not everybody had it that time. So, there's something special about this old fellow. And then Anna is presented to us as a prophet, a widow, having been married only seven years. And then now she is at the age of 84. And what does she do? She prays every day at the temple with fasting, day and night. Can you vision her as you vision a homeless person this year, today, anytime? There she is. Old, praying, fasting, probably hungry most of the time, and receiving alms from people going by who felt sorry for her. But she's presented as a prophet. She's the one with the power of prophecy. And now, orchestrated by the Holy Spirit, all these characters are in the same place at the same time. Not interesting, not neat, kind of wrapped up. So Simeon comes to the temple as he does, and he is looking for that one that God said to him, you will not die before you see the Lord's Messiah. And I wonder, as we did in our uh, class on Thursday morning, if he went around asking people, are you the one? Uh, are you the one? Are you, are you the one? Oh, no, may, oh, maybe him? Oh, are you the one? We don't know. But he continually went and looked and looked and looked. And now, again, By the Spirit he comes and he sees the child in Mary and Joseph. And then he says something. We call it the the Song of Simeon. And he produces a prophecy about Jesus and about Mary. Now the Song of Simeon is familiar to us because it is on the evening prayer section of our prayer book. It is on the Compline section, and it is also in the evening devotional for families. And the version that I was brought up with is, Lord, you have set your servant free to go in peace as you have promised. For these eyes of mine have seen the Savior, whom you have prepared for all the world to see, a light to enlighten the nations and the glory of your people Israel. Now, the translation is a little bit different. As I read in the gospel, it's okay, no problem. But then as Joseph and Mary continue to be amazed at the words that are being said about their baby, something happens, something very powerful happens. Simeon blesses the child and makes a prophecy. And he says, this child is destined to be a sign to many and many will oppose it. And when they do that, their inner thoughts will be revealed, and many will fall, and many will rise, according to those thoughts. Now, this past week, Nancy and I had the opportunity of uh, not, not working, but just being uh, grandma grandpa. And we were in Silver Spring, Maryland, uh, taking care or helping our daughter-in-law with their two uh, children. And um, because our son, Chip, is a uh, former journalist for Getty Images, and he is on the campaign road now. So he was assigned to Iowa and New Hampshire, not to a particular politician, but just those two areas. And so we went to help. And as you know, the big whoop de doo that's going on in in the Congress now, regardless of sides or anything or arguments or whatever, what I noticed was that people generally that were just talking as we moved about were interested in finding out how different people looked at the impeachment trial they were finally saying things and some of the people relating what was being said were surprised as to what senator so and so said or representative so and so said da. and to me that is what simeon is saying When Jesus comes and gives a message, some will oppose it, and in their opposition, they're going to tell you where they stand. Their thoughts will be revealed, and others who will support it will speak, and their thoughts will be revealed. And then comes the painful part. I'm sure he looks at Mary, and says, Mary, when you see what will happen to your baby, it'll feel like a sword has been run through your heart and the pain will be unbearable. That's the prophecy at that time. And then Luke quickly shifts into the second character, Anna. Now, Anna, remember, is the one who is defined to us as a prophet We do not hear specific words about her prophecies, but what we hear is this. Like a good prophet, the first thing she does is praises God, praises God because she knows who this baby is, and then begins to say things about the child to all who have been waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. At that time, all the requirements for the law have been met. And the Holy Family leaves and settles in Nazareth, where the child, we're told, grows in wisdom and strength because the favor of God was with him. Now that we've looked at this, we know why they were there, what happened and all that. As my Old Testament professor used to say in seminary, now that you know all this, so what? So what? So now that we've seen all this, so what? What does this feast mean to us? Is it to remind us that ritual observances continue to be important in our lives? That gives us some kind of bearing, some rudder in the lives of many Christians, even though we have a problem with secularism and modern life have eroded their importance? I think so. I think that has happened, and that's... That's a big bugaboo that keeps chasing after us is don't do this. Don't that's antiquated. Don't we don't need to do that. Oh, that's just not. know. Yeah. So no, don't worry about a Christmas card. No, no, don't just. And you know, if your birthday is Tuesday, I, I'll send it to you on Friday. It's OK. Or not at all. Or I'll send you a tweet. Happy birthday. I believe that we have lost some of that. And then also this story reminds us of the kind of God we believe in. It's the kind of God that by dying will destroy the fear of death that the devil has over us. It reminds us that he came to help humans and not angels. Angels do not need help. Became like us, his brothers and his sisters, so that he could offer a sacrifice of atonement once and for all. Remember the word atonement is at one meant, all together again. And lastly, because he was treated and tested by his suffering, he can help those of us who are suffering. He knows what it means to suffer. This is not a detached and far away God. This is a God that is in there with us in the trenches. So our challenge today, I believe, I know it's for me, because I too become very lax with those kinds of, of uh, rituals and remembrances that we have all the time. I think it's, the challenge is to find effective ways to uh, uh, celebrate the presence of God in the ordinary, to be thankful and greet every morning with gratitude we have a, an ongoing joke at the gym where I work out, some of us older folks, we gather together and we say hello to each other and the moment the first person in that group says, so how are you doing? The response is, I'm doing great. I did not find myself in the obituaries this morning. You know, and we joke about it, but it is a blessing. It is a blessing to live, to be here, to breathe. To celebrate the goodness of simple things, of food, chili today, right? Because of the, the Super Bowl, tradition in Kansas City, tradition in our home also, as Nancy is from Kansas City. Celebrate family. Celebrate shelter. How many of us were affected by that tornado in a matter of seconds? And to celebrate friends to recognize the mystery in beauty, to absorb those things, to mark rites of passage as they happen in our lives. Rituals are not restrictive. They have a meaning. They celebrate the goodness and the mystery of life. So what are your rituals? What are some of the things that you do that get you closer to your family, to your friends, to the gratitude that you have for living the life you live. Those are the important things They need to be important to us because he was important to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He followed the law. He did the rituals and eventually he died. So you and I can have eternal life. That's a pretty good deal. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.